Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unbounded Artistry Podcast. Yes, we are back uh, with Season 4, Episode 6. Yes, here we are. We made it. We have made it. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's been a little while since our last podcast, um, but we are back. Um, we had to do some rearranging because somebody got sick of the way things were. No names. <clears throat> this one over here. It was me. It was me. Not going to name any names. It was me. I uh, sometimes just decide that things could be more efficient if we had things arranged a certain way. And then I rearrange everything. And then I realize <clears throat> I broke everything. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rearrangement has repercussions when you're in a very small room yeah and then the vision that you had um we didn't think all the way through and then we thought we could get things set up and then we're like oh this cable doesn't reach (laughs) so then we're like oh we have to buy these things and then when they came we're like oh we also need the cable for this and we're like oh and we need splitters and then we bought the wrong splitter so that was cool just a whole whole thing it took a little while to get everything back and running but i think we're good now i think we're good now i think now we are live streaming this on youtube which is also a new thing yes it took a little while to get set up but we're good yeah is that a car yeah that's a car okay (laughs) i was like what is this this weird sound in my headphones it would be called a motor vehicle a motor vehicle yeah one of those things okay transports people from a to b yes (laughs) but anyway uh so this is season four episode six and we are going to be talking about the great ai takeover (gasps) i'm so scared yes ai and how it affects artists specifically (laughs) specifically specifically us okay Awesome. Yeah. We're, so I guess AI has kind of been, you know, a major headline uh, the past few months. Um, it's been all over social media and uh, it's been kind of a hot topic. So we thought we'd uh, kind of dive into it because it kind of does impact what we do. And uh, maybe we have different opinions on how it impacts us. Yeah. But so we shall find out. We'll find out. We'll discuss it. all right well you start okay well i guess we'll start with what is ai so um i'm i know most people are familiar um but just to kind of give a base of uh kind of our discussion um ai is short for artificial intelligence um it's defined as a theory and It's the development of computer systems to be able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence. Uh, This is things such as being able to perceive things visually, uh, as well as recognize speech and decision-making and also translating between languages. So those are some pretty intense things to try to get a computer to do. And uh, it's actually something that's happening right now. It's pretty interesting. It is very interesting. It's kind of cool, too, because this does relate to one of the topics we already covered about, like, sentience and sentient beings and whatever. Yeah, there was the whole incident at Google where uh, one of the employees uh, sent out, like, a mass company-wide email saying, like, their AI was sentient. I do remember that. (laughs) And then Google's like, no, it's not. But internally, probably is. (laughs) It probably is. Who knows? I'm so curious. Like, I wish there was a little bit more detail on that. I mean, Google's not going to let anything else out. Well, I know, but it would just be interesting to know, like, what led him to believe. I think that's just the way it was corresponding. It just seems like it was kind of aware of, I guess, its surroundings. So weird. It was like, hey... How do you distinguish? Yeah, that's the whole thing is like, how do you know it's just not pulling from a certain data set versus it's actually like a a live reaction? Yeah. I think that's going to be something that's hard for people to judge. And I think by the time they judge it, we're all doomed. (laughs) (laughs) We're all doomed. We're all doomed. 
They well, discovered that it became sentient too late. The damage was already done. Oh, dear. You heard her here first. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well. So. We shall see. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to cover first? I don't know. What do you want to do? Um, I asked you first. <laughs> I feel like you want me to just talk the whole time. I, I do. Okay. I do want you to just lead the conversation and I will just add <laughs> okay. what I have to add. All right. I feel like you've done more research on this than I have. I did a little research because I feel like, you know, maybe structuring the podcast a little bit will make it a little bit more interesting because we'll have some live information that we can kind of talk about. Yeah. Versus trying to remember things on the spot and being like, um, I think it was this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the big things that um, just got released uh, to the world is called Dolly 2. Um, it's an AI generator that can take, um, I guess, anything that you write in words and convert it into a, kind of an original realistic looking image. So it's kind of very powerful. Um, you can just type in a phrase and Dolly will be like, okay, here it is. So it's like you're talking like an apple on a counter. Dolly will give you an apple on a counter. And then not only that, you have options. You can choose the art styles that it's in. So you can pick like, you know, we could do like pop art, black and white. You could do like charcoal or whatever, like different art styles like that. Um you can actually move that apple from a counter to like the floor in the same image. If you see a floor, it has like that capability to just like edit that on the fly as well. That's interesting. I know that there was other ones besides Dolly there. Like when Dolly first came out, you had to like sign up for it or something like that. And then all of a sudden there was like a bunch of other ones that were like these different AI generating systems mm -hmm that were free to use and the level that they got to is kind of crazy. Yeah. And I guess another thing that you can do with Dolly is you can uncrop an image. <laughs> so you could start off with just this like, you know, really small thing. Like say it's like a, like a, I don't know, just like a dollar bill, like on a counter and you can like uncrop it and it'll just keep adding more detail around the image, but it will still make sense. Like, and it's very, very interesting. That's very interesting, especially because I just got out of Adobe Max, which is um, like the creative conference that Adobe has every year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they were working on was something called All of Me. And that ha is like an uncrop tool using like Adobe Sensei, which is like the Adobe AI. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but. Yeah, whoever thought you'd be able to uncrop an image. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, because it just, like, will just kind of just take information that's around the border and just kind of make something that kind of flows into that. Like, yeah. It's so cool. Um, so Odin's is asking, how is AI involved in the art world now? Well, so many ways. Um, do you want to talk about like the different websites and like what happened, like well, the art websites? Or? I think if you want to kind of talk about um, how it's integrated into the Adobe stuff, sure. you can do that first. Okay. So um, like I was saying, I just got out of Adobe Mac. So that's um, a creative conference Adobe has every year. And Basically, it's like for workshops to get updates on the software, like the new things that they're doing in the software um, that people use. So, I mean, it's all of their like creative cloud software. So everybody's heard of Photoshop. So updates to Photoshop and Illustrator and animation tools and UI tools and um, print design tools, all of those things. Um, so all of those updates that they've done. They have something called Adobe Sensei, which has been around for a few years now. And it's basically Adobe's AI. Um, so they use it to kind of make um, some of the things that you used to have to kind of do manually as a designer and as an artist or a photographer 
uh, a lot easier and make the programs a lot smarter. And it's come a long way. It's definitely come a long way. Like the last couple of years, like the things that they've been able to do to make our lives easier has been kind of awesome. So in that respect, I feel like the way that they're using the AI to help people um, kind of get through the tedious parts of the job, like designers and photographers and things like that, has been really, really helpful. It does get a little tricky when the AI kind of goes a little too far. I don't want to go too much into that, but um, I'll let you talk about like your piece and then I'll kind of say what I have to say about that. Um, but a lot of those things they introduced this year were pretty amazing. So one of them was like that uncrop tool called All of Me. It's not like live for everyone to use yet, but they do this thing called Adobe Sneaks where they give you um, like a little sneak peek of like the new things that they're working on and um, things that they're still working that are still in development that they're hoping to release soon. And they basically will take feedback from the audience and see like what people are really interested in or excited about and then that's what they'll work on like putting their time into to develop and try to release first. So this was an uncropped tool. So they basically did a little demo um, where there was a, a girl in a picture but her um, it was like a cropped image. They wanted to have like a better image for like an event or a flyer and Using this tool, they were able to, like you were saying, uncrop the image and it fills in the details around and it was so well done. Some of those things you kind of have to take with a grain of salt though because they might use like the perfect image for it, but then when you go to try to use it for something else, it doesn't quite work and it still looks kind of janky and you still got to make some updates. I don't know because I haven't had to test um, this software myself yet. But the example that they showed was amazing. It was able to fill in the area around her. They were able to fill in like her legs were missing. They were able to put her legs and her yeah, shoes and her crazy. feet. Um, they were able to um, also make changes to what she was wearing. They had like a lookbook thing. So like they were able to make her dress longer. They were able to change the colors of the dress. She had a purse. They were able to remove the purse. Um, they were able to just completely give her different outfits and it's all done with like masking. So that's stuff that's basically currently possible in Photoshop currently, but it would be so time consuming because you'd have to mask out the face, the skin, like the hands that were showing. And then you would have to basically do like a, a photo comp, like a, like a, I don't know what to like kind of like a collage type of a thing where you're basically blending a bunch of different photos and this kind of just does it for you with this AI technology which was completely amazing because like for depending on what you're trying to do with your art or with your design that can be so helpful like that could cut like the time in half so that you're not worried about how long it's going to take you to edit all of these things to get what you're trying to put across and then it leaves more room for creativity and it, mm -hmm. they did talk about that during the conference they were talking about specifically AI um, a lot actually during the conference and saying like they want to use AI in the best way for for artists they were also talking about, um, I forget exactly what it was called, but like integrating like some kind of like metadata into um, anything that artists create in the Adobe programs so that now you could be able to tell, was this created by a computer or was this created by a person, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so that you don't lose like that authenticity of like, this was actually made by a person. It wasn't just some kind of generated thing. Um, what else? Uh, they just had a lot of different ones. They had, um, the other one was a uh, blank. So this was 
this was pretty interesting, um, an interesting way to use the AI. So it was basically for videos where you can, you know, like sometimes you'll watch a video and you're like, oh, there was this one part I want to go back to. I don't remember where, where exactly it was. And you'll try to like scrub through the timeline of the video if you're watching it on YouTube or something like that. Um, and it's hard to find the exact spot. So with this um, project Blink, it will basically transcribe the whole video. And if you type in a word or you type in, oh, they showed a, a backpack during this, this part of the video or these were the speakers during the video, it will show you a list of whoever was speaking during the video. It will show you... Um, all of the transcripts and if you type in a word it will jump to all of those spots in the video where the word was mentioned and you can just jump right to that which can be really helpful if you're doing like video edit editing and stuff like that I was like wow that's kind of bomb and I yeah. want to use it right now <laughs> especially if you have like a really long timeline going like if you're editing like something that's like you know 45 minutes an hour long and you just need to update one certain area and you're like where is it like that way you can just be like, hey, I need to find this. And it's like, oh, here it is. Instead yeah. of trying to scrub through and figure out where it is, like, oh, man, it saves so much time. It's pretty awesome. Um, so that's really exciting because some of these things that they're doing with the AI is just really making, like, the workflow for people a lot easier and a lot smoother. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of really cool things that um, – that you can do with these things. Um, they also had, I can't remember exactly what this one was called, but like one where you're able to take pictures of a person, um, like multiple pictures and kind of create a 3D space. And then you're able to use like AI to apply an art style to it. So if you wanted it to be like um, a specific artist type of drawing style or something like that, and it would it would create kind of like a 3D atmosphere. Is that the one where they had the guy dancing or is that the different one? That's a different one. Oh, okay. So that, <laughs> that was another one where they had, um, you could kind of put in like a video of somebody dancing and then you could have a photograph of like yourself and it will basically make the photograph dance that dance which is crazy it still looked a little janky a little <laughs> yeah. uh but it's something that's like a work in progress <clears throat> excuse me a work in progress and just the fact that they're able to get it to do that is insane i was like that is so cool and and eventually they will be able to make it look like legit but it's like almost like that deep fake type of technology mm -hmm. because it's basically you're not like, like that was the whole like presentation was the guy was like, I'm not a very good dancer, but with, with this program, he, I'm able to, to do these moves. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. So many, so many interesting things and interesting ways that they're incorporating AI and Adobe Sensei into our art programs that we use on a regular basis. So it's interesting, but there is kind of like that, weird gray area where like it's helpful but then at what point is it too much like they have the sky replacement tool which has been in there for a while in photoshop and i believe it's in lightroom now too mm -hmm. yeah um and you're able to basically replace the entire sky of an image that you've taken and they also have a feature where you're able to change like the time of day you're able to change the season uh, like you're able to basically change everything about the image which is cool but then I don't know like I have kind of like a I'm not sure I have like some kind of feeling about that like that's nice and it's nice to be able to like make some edits but how many like where's the line like how many edits is too far like this is not a real authentic picture anymore now it's just it's just basically like uh what do you call that i can't think of the word it's like uh begins with a c a collage no not collage the composite is that it composite 
I, I wouldn't call it a composite. Mm. Counterfeit? I mean, I, I guess you could it's, go that way. I too. don't know. It's just, it doesn't feel authentic anymore. Like at that point, like I guess it depends on how you're using it too. Like if you're doing it because you're trying to express a certain, like evoke a certain feeling in the audience or something, that's one thing. But like if you're presenting it as this is this is this amazing picture that I took and you're basically like not not being truthful or not being transparent about how you generated that picture I think that's where it gets kind of like weird you know what I mean yeah I, I totally agree like um I think if you're I guess like any kind of like artist or I feel like just being like honest about how you created something is very important yeah like if you're like trying to present it as one thing and you did it like a totally different way like i don't feel like that's the right thing to do no not at all so i think that the way that the artists use the tools is really important yeah it's nice that they're there but you have to use them wisely with great power comes great responsibility (laughs) (laughs) you know Mm mm-hmm that's my little spiel about the yeah the stuff adobe has lined up is pretty crazy um they also had the one thing with uh the shadow remember the shadow (gasps) one too so i don't know what tool that was do you remember what it was called oh gosh what was it called shoot i can't remember offhand but basically they were able to kind of change the shadows in the in an image uh by just moving like another image like around so they took like a beach was it like a beach umbrella and they dropped it into this photo and then they're able to like change the angle of the lighting like like, and so it would change how the shadows fell and everything it was be like all kind of real time and it was like kind of almost like if you were in a 3d environment but it's 2d so it's pretty crazy like the amount of calculations that's going on there yeah like that's (laughs) amazing they also had like um, a picture of palm trees that wasn't actually in the image, but they used it to cast a shadow onto the beach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is crazy. And like if you move um, wh- like one of the pieces of the image, it takes the shadow with it and it will like cast the shadow on whatever it's coming across so you can figure out how you want to lay it. I was like, this is crazy. It's just so cool. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something I never thought you would be able to do. And now it's just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, That's just like the tip of the iceberg. But those were yeah. like the ones that really stood out to me. Um, but, so very exciting. Yeah, I'm sure they got a ton more of the things that they're working on. Oh, there was another big one that everyone was super excited about. I guess I didn't really think about it because it's just now available to all of us to use. It's not like a coming soon but they made this new tool called intertwine oh yeah um so maybe you should speak to that because this is something that you do manually on a lot of our work yeah um so is it just an illustrator um i think i think they also added it into indesign oh okay so um it might be in indesign as well but the tool is called intertwine um so what you can do this is like pretty cool so if you have like a row of text like in like illustrator and then you layer over another layer of text and you kind of have them overlapping and you want to kind of uh kind of separate out like what's in the foreground and what's in the back instead of going in and like trying to like um i guess break apart the paths and you know manually set things in front and behind the objects you can just select the intertwine tool and just like knock things forward or backwards just like that. And it's awesome because the text is still editable. So if you need to change like wording or the brand or something like that, you can just retype it and it will still keep like all your like intertwined letters and characters. Yeah. It's so cool. Like the amount of time that it takes to do that manually is like ridiculous so that it's just a able to be done now like 
so much faster is so cool. Yeah, and the fact that you can keep the text live is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> very exciting. Because otherwise, I, like, that if, might not make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Like, if you're not familiar with like Illustrator and stuff, but trust us, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So basically, that just means that if you need to change the wording, you're able to without having to redo all of the design. Because previously, before this tool. If, you know, some for some reason the brand was like, oh, actually, we had to change this name to this. So you would have to go back and redo all of that work manually. Yeah, because you're basically having to cut everything apart. And yeah. you don't have to do that with this tool, which is so nice. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to try that one out. I haven't I had a chance to jump in Illustrator yet, really. Yeah, so many cool things. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stop gushing about Adobe. I was a Adobe Creative Cloud for Halloween this year. <laughs> I'm an Adobe fan girl. <laughs> um, so funny. Okay. We'll get back on track. I'll stop gushing. You're fine. It's a <laughs> podcast. We can do whatever we want. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll also touch on this. Um, back in September. Okay. We're jumping back a few months, uh, but we're always late to things, but that's okay. Uh, there was an artist that submitted a piece of work um, into a state fair art uh, competition. Okay. Um, the category was called Digital Arts and Digitally Manipulated Photography. So if you heard that, what would that mean to you? So currently, um, there's like a whole mess of photographers out there and people that work primarily in Photoshop and what they do is composites. So they, and like they do it very well. Like I remember doing it in school and I sucked at it. <laughs> it is a skill. Um, so basically they're able to kind of create this, like almost like a dream sequence or whatever they're trying to portray. And it's almost like making a digital painting um, using photography and taking different bits of the photography and blending it together and making it like an entirely new scene. And they're, they're incredible pieces of work and they take a lot of time and a mm -hmm. lot of energy. So, yeah. So this made me feel some kind of way when I heard about this. I'll just say I was a little upset and perturbed. But go ahead, continue with your story. But that's what it is. All right. So... Yeah, so when I heard this category, um, I what comes to me is the fact that obviously it would be something that somebody created. Like somebody went in and spent the time to pull all the different pieces of, that they needed to create their vision. Um, but so this artist uh, actually went and used an AI uh, art generator called Midjourney. Um, like Dali, it can take text prompts and create a visual scene uh, based off of the words that were entered. So his piece uh, was AI generated and it won. Yeah, <laughs> that's so frustrating to me because they're the peers that were probably in this group that submitted probably worked really, really hard and long on what they put through. And this person just went in and typed a bunch of text and was like, here you go. I'm an artist. And to me, that like makes me so upset because that just devalues. To me, it devalues being an artist. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think that I like AI is so new that this art competition didn't really expect somebody to submit an AI generated uh, piece of art yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think this opened the eyes for uh, future competitions because this was a huge headline and it caused a lot of controversy and hot takes all across the internet. So I feel like any, you know, photo competition or digital art competition is going to be a lot more clear on their uh, guidelines for entry um, I do feel like that this piece probably should not have won. Um, it shouldn't have even been entered, or it should have been a totally separate category. It should not have been in this category. Yeah, it, they. 
I mean, like I was saying, I think going forward, there will probably be, uh, you know, our competitions that do have an AI generated category. Like I could definitely see that happening. And that would, you know, solve a lot of the issues that this caused is keeping art that was made by people kind of separated out from art that was created by AI. Mm hmm. Um, the other interesting thing is is that he's keeping the phrase that he used um, kind of a secret. And I think last I heard that he was actually going to try to auction it off or I something like that. I heard that, that he was going to like sell it or something. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to like sell the phrase that he used to generate that piece of art to somebody else. That's so weird. Which I guess kind of devalues itself by itself, you know what I mean? Like is if somebody just comes along that phrase and was like, oh, I remember seeing that somewhere, then they can be like, oh, this is the phrase. And then all of a sudden, everyone has access to that phrase. And then, then that piece of art is just kind of just I wonder if you now. if you put in, I don't know how this works, but if you put in like the exact same prompt, do you get the exact same outcome? I believe you would because that that's how this was created. And he, he's keeping it a secret. So I'm assuming that it's, it's something that can be replicated over and over. Interesting. I do think that in the future, that probably won't be the case because I think things are going to be constantly added to these tools, like yeah. source images that will kind gonna... of fuel it to evolve and look different. Yeah, because I think they were going to have the ability for you to like upload your own images. And I don't know if that goes into like a big general database or how that's going to work. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So. Do you want to talk about the. About what? The bands. Yeah. So I guess kind of on that topic, um, there, there are some actual like platforms that are starting to ban a AI generated contra content. Um, one of them is Getty Images. So if you're not familiar with Getty Images, it's a stock photography site. So people will go here to um, look for photography to, um, you know, fill their websites um, or, you know, be used in any kind of like printed materials like magazines or advertisements. They basically, you know, provide photos for anyone looking for them. They've been around <laughs> for a long time. They were like the first stock photo site I had ever heard of when I was in school. I was like, Getty Images, what is this? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But they decided that they were going to ban AI-generated content. Um, I think mostly it was because of just they're not sure how the copyright is going to work in the future. That's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. Because right now, there's not a whole lot of um, legal things in place regarding AI-generated images. So they're kind of worried that in the future, if they have all these things and they've been licensing them out, they could be liable for having stuff that they don't really have the rights to. Yeah. Um, so they're just kind of playing it safe. Interesting. Um, another site, this is going to date me a lot, but um, I grew up and there was a site called Newgrounds around. <laughs> it used to be a flash oriented, like uh, it would have like animations and like short, like flash games and stuff like that. I don't know what Newgrounds is. Oh my God. <laughs> it, I can't believe it still exists, but yeah, um, they are also... Uh, banning AI generated content there. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, being banned from some places. Yeah, I think part of it is probably like the copyright stuff, but also like that's going to, especially for some of these sites where it hosts a lot of artists and a lot of creators, it's maybe going to alienate some of them because they're going to be like, well, I'm like working really hard to put this piece out and this person's just typing stuff and throwing it up there um which is really frustrating like it's just not i don't know it's just not in the spirit of what 
Yeah, I think it should be. I think a lot of it is that they want to um, make sure that the artists are like recognized and that their work isn't devalued because they yeah. know how much people um, have put into like their sites and stuff like that. Yeah. Like some of the people I'm sure have been around since almost the beginning too. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. But in terms of like the legalities and kind of um, that stuff, we can kind of hop back to um, Dolly 2 for a minute. So I found some interesting things in their content uh, policy uh, when I was looking through it. This was back in September, so I don't know if things have been updated um, since then. But I just found these parts very interesting uh, because it seems like they do have a vision on how they want their AI platform to be used. And it seems like they want it to be just used for, like, you know, just people interested in seeing what, like, the technology is about and trying to exploring and just being creative with it. So one, one thing that they put in their uh, policy is that they want you to kind of just dis disclose that you've used AI to create the image. Like, I think that just being open about it is going to solve like a lot of issues that people have with seeing a lot of AI art popping up. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is um, you can't, it's kind of, kind of goes into that first one is that you can't say that your work was entirely human generated um, when it was uh, created on uh, Dolly. Yeah. Like, it says that you can remove the Dolly signature, but not to mislead other people about the nature of how you came across the image and how you created the image. Yeah. So. And then this part I found really interesting is that they um, want you to respect the rights of other people. So they don't want you to upload images of people without their consent, because what that does is it puts them into that database Oh, gosh. And then, and then it kind of could show up somewhere in, you know, somebody's, like, art that they're trying to generate. That's so weird. Yeah. And then... I don't like that at all. <laughs> they also don't want you to upload images uh, that you don't hold the proper rights to. Uh, so they don't want you using copyrighted, like, uh, logos or trademarked words, things like that. And then this one I thought was also really interesting is uh, do not create images of public figures. Interesting. So I think that they just don't want people to use it to like start like, prop I mean, in today's climate, use propaganda. it for like yeah, propaganda for one side or the other. Yeah. Interesting. But the whole thing is, is, I mean, people are going to use it how they want to use it, but at least their policy kind of lays it out where they want to kind of keep it kind of like just like a tool for people to kind of enjoy. Yeah. I mean, but that's just Dolly. There's so many other ones that have popped up now, um, like mid journey and who, whatever else the ones, there's a bunch of them now. Oh, yeah, so there's a ton. who knows what their policies are. So if you can't do it on one, you can just do it on another. So I don't know. It's it's just interesting to see where this is going to go. Yeah. Um, and how it's going to impact art in the long run. The one thing I was thinking about a lot was in a lot of these generators, it has specific artists sometimes or art styles or it'll say in the art style of so-and-so artist. And, like, what is the deal with that? So, I don't know if these artists gave permission or if it was just done because people really like that specific type of art or art style because it can basically just start generating work in that style of that artist and they're not getting compensation for that where it could have been a commission for them, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're like, oh, I want a picture of my dog in the style of this artist. 
and they just go to an AI generator and boom, there it is. Instead of going to that artist and commissioning a work from them, like an authentic work. And right now, especially like being a musician and being a streamer, I'm very aware of like DMCA and how DMCA impacts um, people now as far as music goes, where you can't, you know, be using music that's not licensed and you have to have the right licenses. And there's two different types of licenses. If you're going to do a video, you need to have the sync license and the other license or whatever. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. But how is that going to translate to art? Like, are we going to get the same type of protections? Like, maybe they really like Brandon's art style and then they're like, create uh this piece of art in the style of Brandon and then instead of you asking Brandon to make a piece of art for you you already have one that is in his style and what's our protection like if people are doing that because even now um with music they might not be using like you've seen so many lawsuits where it's like they haven't used the exact song or the exact like sound but it sounds close enough that they can litigate it in court so what, what's going to be the repercussions of that for, for artists? You know what I mean? I think that it's kind of a thing that's not defined yet. I think this is all so new that there's not really any understanding of how that's going to kind of play out. Yeah, it's just super sketchy. But I do agree that if somebody wants something in your art style, like... I think it should be something that you could opt into a platform and then if people are paying, like you would get a cut of that and when they use your um, your style, I guess. Like kind of like how they do the music stuff. If people are want to use your music, like you can get a cut of that. Yeah, like you can put, claim it and yeah. then you're able to get whatever royalties or whatever on it. But then what happens when people have similar styles? Like I know. That's the thing. It's... I don't know. Because uh, everyone kind of feeds off each other. Like, there's no one thing that is so unique that it won't ever, like, be done again. Like, <laughs> This reminds me of something I read recently. Oh, gosh. Now I wish I would have, like, remembered the details of it. But there was, there was recently something that happened with, um, I think it was... Andy Warhol, one of his art pieces, and he had done one of like those pop art, you know, like how he has like the pop art images and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the same image over and over again mm -hmm. and it has like um, the different colors and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he had made a piece that was of prints and then there was, I don't know why, I can't remember the details of this article, but... Um, the photographer who had originally taken the photo of Prince that he used in this piece of art was like, I have the copyright to that image, so this shouldn't count or something. I think it maybe the painting was being sold or something. Oh. And then they were saying something about the copyright of the piece of art because he basically had taken the photograph and the photographer is like, well, technically I should have like the copyright. Oh, geez. So I don't know <laughs> what the whole deal with that is. But like, that's the other thing is a lot of times art does borrow from other sources. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how convoluted this is going to get. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like it's going to get, it's going to be weird for yeah, a while. I'm, I'm sure it definitely will be. I think it's going to be weird from here on out, to be honest. I feel like it's only going to get more weird as it becomes more accessible to people, too. <laughs> Odin said, oh, you're an artist, so is my five-year-old Bobby. He won several awards for his art on Dolly. <laughs> 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 That's the thing is, like, I feel like it's a tricky, it's a tricky place to be right now as an artist. Like, I don't know. I think... Overall, artists are devalued in our society right now. I think it's just because there's it's everything is so accessible now that it's just can't be valued because there's so many people doing it, whether at a professional level or just as a hobby, or even people just you know do it occasionally. Like there's just mm -hmm. 
if you go to like websites like DeviantArt, like you're just bombarded with like millions of people uploading stuff like every second. Like it's just everywhere. Yeah. But I don't know. Even like the. So (laughs) at work, uh, there's a lot of people that use Canva. And it drives me crazy because we are designers and why aren't you using the designers that have gone to school and know the technology and have the capabilities where they're able to use a platform like Canva to just kind of throw something together and they're like oh this looks nice because they're using templates while that's like a nice tool to use that should not be the default and that ends up being the default that people will go to and they're like, oh, this is good enough. Yeah. But as like a designer, you look at it with a critical eye and you're like, well, actually, your spacing is a little off. These colors don't go together. Like there's different things and components and things that make good design versus bad design and that separate people that are at an amateur level from like a professional level and you should always be aiming for like that professional quality but some people don't know enough and or don't care enough i think most of it is they don't care yeah (laughs) to be honest yeah to like distinguish that and like that like while i'm like happy like it's a great tool like we've used it for a couple of things where we just need to throw something quick together but like it's not something that i would use like on a regular basis and you go in and you edit it and you tweak it and you make it your own style but some people don't do it well because they don't know how to and it's it's just really frustrating and like even like just i don't know like you said like the the saturation is so much that people don't value the people that do have the skills and do have the expertise. And I guess there's not like a lot of like just trust in those people anymore. Like I feel like many, many years ago, like artists were like revered and like they were just seen in a very different light than they are today. You know? I, yeah, definitely agree with that. But I think it all comes down to the amount of availability of it now versus yeah. back then. I suppose. I mean, I can guarantee. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like you can tell the difference in quality. Well, at least I can. Maybe it's just because I know. I think it's because some of the people in, in your scenario are kind of don't have that design background so they don't know what they're looking for or what is supposed to be good versus not good yeah like or even like we've come across this ourselves like when people are like oh like i would like you to design this for me and they have no concept of how long it's going to take or how much it's going to cost and then they're like oh whoa (laughs) why does it cost so much Or even just like friends and family were like, oh, you're you're a designer. You're an artist. You can just make this for me, right? No. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> I could, but like I charge for this usually. This is like my job. Yeah. And like you wouldn't just ask, you know, if you had a family member that's like a doctor, like, oh, can you just perform this surgery? You're, you can do it for me, right? Like, no, <laughs> that's not that's not how this works. Like, I don't know why we're just seen so differently as a profession. So the AI stuff is just kind of another, I don't know. It's just like another thing that we have to battle against to kind of keep our relevance, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know. I think it's kind of a a mixed bag when it comes to my overall feeling for, like, the AI stuff. I think mostly I'm interested in seeing, like, the technology, like, evolve and, like, where it can go. Um, In terms of, like, the Adobe stuff, I think a lot of the things they're implementing are going to save a lot of time and things that are usually very tedious. Um, Like, especially, like, where you can just kind of, you know, just swap, like, you know, what somebody's, like, wearing or their attire just like that without yeah. having to mask everything out and source a different outfit or whatever. Like, not that we do that stuff, but it, it, 
It's a just lot of like, people do. Yeah, a lot of people do, and it's just tedious stuff that would free up more time for the actual like creativity, creativity and the yeah. vision of the overall piece and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the thing for me. Like, I, in a way, like I don't like the direction some of the AI stuff is because I do feel like it, in a way, does devalue what artists do. But on the other hand, it really does depend on... I don't think it's a threat to artists. I just think that the perception of the general population might be altered. But I think as an artist yourself, like you have to adjust and you have to show what your value is. And you have to just have faith that it doesn't matter because what art really is is human connection and human passion and human feelings and emotions like it's always been about like emotion and like reaching like those deep emotions and connecting and making people feel something so I think if you're able to kind of adjust maybe your process or what you're doing or how you portray what you're doing to your audience it's not really a threat to you but you just have to grow with the changes. Yeah, I I feel like it's something that we can definitely kind of use, like kind of as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I honestly, in my opinion, I'm not too threatened by it. Um, I I just don't feel like it. Like it's cool what it can do right now, but I just feel like a lot of it all looks kind of samey samey yeah it does it really does <laughs> um, we did like uh we i don't remember which one we were playing around with but we did try one yeah and i was like oh this is cool yeah. <laughs> it's like eh. yeah i mean nah. for what it is it can it's do cool. some cool things yeah but, i mean i don't know i don't i just don't feel too threatened by it no i think it's just another tool that artists can use um to uh create their visions yeah like, I don't feel threatened by it. I just think it's just another, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I already feel like, in general, our work is devalued in society. And, like, I just feel like this is just another thing to add to the the mix of people, like, well, why do I need to hire a designer for that? I can just go to Dolly and just enter a few words. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do I need to hire an artist for that? Like, just people don't appreciate it as much, I guess. I don't know. Some people still do, but who knows what that means for future generations, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. Interesting. We'll see what, we'll see where it goes. Well, Luckily, we're not just artists. We do everything. So. Yeah. We, we're just... <laughs> we're medi- very diversified. We're mediocre at everything we do. Yeah. <laughs> mediocre, but very well-versed in many different areas of creativity. No, I think we're pretty good in some, some of the things that we do. Eh, I don't know. I think so. Jack of all traits. Yeah. Master of none. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but um i guess we'll just kind of talk about this one last thing it's called the last selfie oh this one also is kind of a few months old um but if you want some nightmare fuel i would recommend googling the last selfie and it's like a series of uh ai generated images of what it visions like <laughs> A person's like last selfie would look like and it's absolutely terrifying yeah it's pretty creepy <laughs> but it's also pretty accurate so i'm like oh i think it's sent it already there we go it's all, <laughs> it already it's, knows it, it already knows how it's gonna end but uh i don't know something about it is just very like interesting but also like you feel like that it's probably correct so you're like yeah this is probably what it would look like it's very like apocalyptic looking, like the environments and stuff, and it's yeah. just like wow, it's probably spot on. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's gonna be the last selfie. Very unsettling images. Yeah, very unsettling. It's pretty crazy. Uh, what do you think this means for the future of art classes in school? Odin's asks. Hmm. I hope. That it's maybe something that they talk about and touch on, but that they still teach the essentials. Like when I was in school, even though I was there to be a graphic designer, 
I didn't really do a lot of graphic design until later on. We all started, and I don't know if this was the same for you, Brandon, but like we all started with basic, like we're going to sit here and do still lifes. We're going to do drawings. We're going to do figure drawing. We're going to do painting. We're going to do, it was like traditional, traditional art. And like you learn like the basics, like this is how you create a figure. This is how you create space. This is how you create great compositions. Um, this is how you use color. Like those are the things that is the groundwork for everything else that you do. And then when we get to graphic design, you take those and you kind of build on it and you learn how to do it digitally. Like how do you, um, like we took a topography class, like like specifically just type, just text. How do you do your kerning? How do you do your letting? How do you do your spacing? How do you use your white space? Like there's so many different things that the average person does not think about and I don't feel like AI is going to just give people those tools like I don't know maybe it'll get to a point where you can just do that but I don't think so um so was your school's programs like set up where those were like electives or is that like the actual like flow of how your program was like it started with the art courses and then went into the design things or yeah like that was like the curriculum like you basically started with the art stuff mine were kind of parallel so i'd be doing like um some of the art courses would be more like electives uh not necessarily uh main course i don't know what curriculum is that yeah wait Um, the only ones that were, were like you were saying, like typography, um, was, I wouldn't really call that an art course though. No, this was like when, like we really started digging into the graphic design stuff. But, um, the only thing I can think of that seems more art leaning that was actually like a part of the program was, uh, color theory. Um, besides that, I think all my art things were just electives and you can kind of choose whatever one you wanted to do like if you wanted to do figure drawing or stuff like that because hmm. you had to pick like a certain amount though didn't you yeah there'd be a certain amount that you'd have to do but they weren't like courses that you needed to take like i didn't need to take figure drawing i could have taken some other art course or whatever mm. maybe it was the same for me then but like i don't know the way that it was structured for me was very like art focus because well I don't know maybe it was just me because I originally wanted to go to school to just be an artist (laughs) like I didn't really have I didn't want to be a graphic designer I wanted to like I remember having this conversation with my advisor and he was like well what do you want to do and I'm like I just want to (laughs) paint I just want to draw and I just want to paint and he's like well what do you see yourself doing and I'm like well I would like to draw and paint and like live in a van and like sell my paintings on the sidewalk. Like literally, that's all I want to do. And he's like, well, you can't do that. He's like, you have to have like an actual plan. He's like, do you want to teach? And I was like, hell no. He's like, let's do graphic design. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll do awesome. graphic design. So I don't know. Maybe it was just me and that like I didn't really... I wasn't really leaning towards, like, that was not my intention at all when I started school. Yeah. Now I love it, but, yeah, that was just not my thing. But my hope is that that's still a, there should still be some sort of, like, basic knowledge of how to make actual art. Yeah. I feel like art programs in general just get cut it's like the first thing they go so it wouldn't actually surprise me if there aren't any art classes in the future which sounds really sad but it's probably like the honest answer is probably like i don't know i mean like i feel like maybe not like traditional but like i feel like in the field right now like i don't know like what i do is like the e-learning like designers that's a big thing Like, instructional designers is a big thing. Granted, a lot of instructional designers don't actually know how to design anything. But, like, (laughs) 
Um, some do. And um, what's the other one? Like UX UI is pretty big right now. So I feel like there's different facets. Like it's just kind of like a different evolution of art. I think I'm also thinking of something a little different than you. I'm thinking like uh, like grade schools. Oh. I, I think that the higher education stuff will always be there, but I'm thinking like grade school, like, uh, you know. God, I hope they don't get rid of art in grade school. That would suck. It would, but like I was saying, I think that is usually the first thing to kind of oh, go. absolutely. So hopefully it sticks around, though. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. But. <sighs> Boo. I don't know. It's good and bad. It, like you said, it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Some of the, I like, I will say though, like when I was sitting through the conference, every time they showed something that was like the Adobe Sensei, like this new thing, I was just like, yes. <laughs> I was like so hyped about everything. And I was like, this is amazing. Because it's stuff that like they know that their users have been struggling with or yeah. like is just very time consuming and it just leaves more time for the actual creative part the fun stuff the fun stuff because the thing is like i don't think people realize how much work like they i think everybody just this is like my pet peeve is like oh you're a designer can you just make this pretty no <laughs> that is not what we do we don't just make something pretty we make it functional we make it work. We make it like user friendly. There's so much more that goes into it that people don't think about. We're making sure that the colors are right, that it appeals to your audience, that it's to the right audience, that oh, there's just so much work that goes into it and it's so <laughs> tedious. Some of it is like so time consuming. Oh yeah, for sure. Like we'll sit in front of the computer for hours and hours and hours and it's like we didn't actually get anything like done like it's just the structuring folders or templates or whatever the hell we're doing yeah and it's just it's just a lot it's, it's a lot it's very easy to underestimate how long something's gonna take yes. um but it's something that we're getting better at is judging how long a project is gonna take but usually whatever you think it's gonna take it's going like, to take longer. Triple it. <laughs> You're like, oh, this should be something I can knock out in a few hours. And then like a couple hours pass and you're like, well, we didn't really even kind of dive into it yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's very easy to um, extend that uh, deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I don't even know where I was going with that. But like, it's just... Mm-hmm. Where was I going with that? I don't know. Hmm. Well, gone. Gone. Gone from my brain forever. Yeah. So. But, yeah, that's our little dive into AI and art. Yeah. So. I don't know. Let us know what you kind of think of this kind of a structure. It's a little bit different than our previous podcasts. Um I actually kind of really liked it because it gave me a chance to kind of dive in and do a little bit of research. Yeah. And to it's just fun to... Kind of learn more Deep things. dive some topics sometimes. Since we're only going to do the podcast like once a month, it gives us a little time to kind of pick something and then kind of really like dig in. Mm -hmm. Dig in. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Let us know what you think about AI and AI and art. And if you think that it would change your perspective, if you knew a piece of art was like made by a computer versus made by a human, I'm, I'm interested to see what Adobe does with like this metadata thing that they're talking about. Cause I think that will be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It does almost kind of remind me of NFTs though, like <laughs> certificate of authenticity. Oh God. <laughs> Let's not get started or something on it. Like that. I not, don't know. That, that's for another podcast. That's for another day. Actually, I don't want a podcast about that. No, I don't want to talk about that. I don't either. want to talk about crypto or NFTs. No. No. It's basically, it's uh, the new generation's periods or a pyramid scheme. <laughs> that's what it is to me. 
Anywho. Yeah, well. Um, that's it, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up uh, the first episode on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It took us a long time to figure out how to set this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to like reset everything up again for YouTube. Which we didn't realize we were going to have to do. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have done it sooner. And we were like, oh, we're ready. And I was like, wait, this doesn't work. Oh, wait, this doesn't work either. Yeah, I'm like, are we live yet? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how about now? Are we live now? It, nope. sh- it oh, should. Okay. Theoretically. Right, three, two, one. Are we live? No. Oh. Theoretically, it should be easier the next yeah. time around. So. Yeah, it should definitely be. Hopefully. So. We'll hope. Awesome. Well, guess that kind of wraps up uh, the episode, huh? Yeah. So. That's it. Thank you all for uh, listening. Uh, if you are watching the podcast on YouTube, uh, you can always listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Yes. And until next time, may your artistry always be unbounded. Bye. Bye.